so glad to be worshiping with you today. If you don't know me, I'm Pastor Bo. I'm the associate pastor here at Calvary. And we are so honored that you would take out your Sunday to worship the Lord with us today. If you're a guest of ours, welcome either in the room or online. We are so glad you are here with us. And, and we want you to really feel a part of this family this morning. So make sure while you're here to connect with other people around you, to talk with them, get to know us here at Calvary. Because we really want this year of 2022 to be a time of connection to where we really as a family come together and go before the Lord together and ultimately redeem the time. And that's the series we've been in the last few weeks. We're going to continue that in that today. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning to Lamentations chapter 3. The reason I give you that is many times you may not have been in Lamentations very much, and so you may need some time. Um, if you need some directions, go to Psalms and Proverbs, and then if you keep turning, you'll get to Isaiah, Jeremiah, and there you will find Lamentations. And so that's where we're going to be this morning. But to get us started, I want to, I want to give you a thought about redeeming the time. And it will play into our study of Lamentations this morning. You know, if you think about time, it moves pretty quickly, right? You blink an eye and all of a sudden you look back and go, where did the time go? Even this morning, one of our church members was showing me a photo of my wife who's been in this church all of her life. He was showing me a photo of her teenage years. And I was looking at that and remembering those, those days and, and the days early here at Calvary and thinking to myself... Wow, where has the time gone? You ever been there? You ever seen a photo? You ever thought to yourself, man, I don't even think I'm that old. But then you look back and go, yeah, time has flown by. And the reality is, wherever you are today, you did not get there by one fell swoop of a decision. Every single day of your life, the daily patterns of what you've chosen to do or what you've chosen to not do has ultimately brought you to this point where your time, right, where you now sit in your time. See, those daily decisions add up, and I'll give you some, some fun examples as we start, as we think about daily choices. Um, none of us gained 50 pounds in one day. <laughs> you didn't go sit at uh, Cafe Du Monde and all of a sudden rack up 50 pounds by sitting there, right? What happens? And, and conversely, if you want to lose weight, what has to happen? It's a daily journey that you have to take to lose small increments of weight in order to lose or gain weight. Most of you in your careers today did not get there when you started in your 20s, right? You didn't just happen to get out of high school and then start the career that you're in and end up there in a day. It took time. You probably studied for that. Perhaps you were apprenticed for your job. I don't know how you got into your workplace, but... It was daily decisions of study or work that has ultimately given you the skill set to be where you are today concerning your careers. It doesn't happen in one day. Your relationships in your families, whether good or bad, they usually don't happen just by one moment. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't moments where a family has a breakdown because of a moment. But usually those, even those moments are built up over days of decisions, of being someone or something that's either healthy in relationships or perhaps dysfunctional. And where your family, your relationships around you sit today is a result of decisions that you've made over time. You see, if we talk about redeeming the time, we've got to become aware this morning that redeeming the time is all about the everyday. It's all about what you choose to do today. 
We are a culture that can be consumed as we start 2022 with what is this year going to look like? By the time I end up at the end of 2022, what is it going to look like? And I would argue that our God shows us throughout Scripture, but we're going to see it today in Lamentations, that it's really not about what's going to happen in December 2022. If you want to end up on a path where you redeem the time when it comes to God's Word, it's really all about the decisions that you're going to make today, the things that you're going to choose today. And in fact, I'll sum it up in one word, and this is going to lead into our life lesson. It really all comes down to hope. Are you going to choose to hope today? You see, the life lesson, I gave you an acronym, so hopefully you will remember this sermon. But the um, acronym is this. You can redeem the time if you hold on to the promise eternal every day. You get that hope, right? You got it? Y'all smart? Y'all clicking with me? If you hold on to the promise eternal every day. In church language, we, we usually call this the gospel, the good news of salvation for us. But the reality is that if you want to redeem your time today, you must hold on to the promise that God has given eternally each and every day. And Lamentations is going to help us, as we walk through it today, uncover that promise. So let me, we're going to do a little something different today as we, we walk through the Scripture. I'm actually just going to walk through the passage. I'm not going to read it all at once and then talk about it. We're actually just going to kind of walk through it, and I'm going to lay out for you the promise eternal. What is it that you are to hold on to every day? If you want to redeem your time today, this year, the next 10 years, what is that hope? That you must have. And Lamentations 3 is one of many guides that we have on the promise eternal. So we're going to look there together and we're going to kind of walk through it today. And what I'm going to do is as we walk through it, I'm going to give you the highlight. And then we're going to read through it and see the highlight of that section. And each section is going to build into this promise. You tracking with me? So if you want to know the promise that you got to hold on to, we're going to build it together from this chapter in Lamentations. I'm, I promise you, I'm weird. I get it. Pastor Michael, he's here today, but he's not preaching. So I thought, let's just take it. I get the privilege of going a completely different direction this morning, having some fun with you. So hold on with me as we walk through Lamentations chapter 3. We're going to walk through it together. The first part of the passage, this is Jeremiah writing after the fall of Jerusalem. All right, so to give, set it up before I even start reading it, Jeremiah has seen the fall of Jerusalem. Now, if you know much about history, this fall was a bunch of stages. It's not like it's just, boom, Babylon came in and destroyed everything. It happened over many years. There was a siege here, and they replaced the ruler, and then that ruler would go against Babylon, and then they'd come back in and do some other things. And then that ruler, the new ruler would come in for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they'd turn their back on Babylon, and Nebuchadnezzar would come in again. And it was a series of what they would call sieges. That ultimately when the ruler of Jerusalem got Egypt involved and wanted Egypt to help protect them against Babylon, then finally, after the third or fourth siege, Nebuchadnezzar decided, I'm not just going to come in and take over, I'm going to burn this thing to the ground. This thing being the city of Jerusalem. So ne uh, Jeremiah saw not only the city, the holy city of Jerusalem, all right, spiritual, theological, but also reality of place. He saw not only the city burn, but the temple that Solomon had built after his father David, the signifying of God in the center of the people of Israel's life, he saw all that burned away. Now, I lay that before you just to remind you as we read this for a second. I know there's some difficult things going on in our world. It's not been easy, right? 
but we're not the first people that have ever dealt with problems. And this, the good news is we see this for a moment because the point of this first section is that we have to remember, if we, and this is going to sound weird, but if you want to hope, you've got to remember ultimately that our lives and our world are broken by sin. So if you want to hope, I hate to tell you, you've got to remember there's some bad things going on. You can't just live in that glorified, bubbly world of, oh, life is good all the time. Instead, Jeremiah is going to show us in these first verses that we have to remember that our world and our lives, they're broken. Look at this with me in verse verse 1 of chapter 3. I am the man who has seen affliction under the rod of his, being God's, wrath. He has driven and brought me into darkness without any light. I'll pause there. Think about that image for a second. Living in darkness with no light. My daughter's young. She loves her nightlight. She doesn't like to go to sleep without one, right? Why is that? Because if it's dark in the room at a young age, some kids begin to fear. Well, let me tell you, uh, any of you were here in the city during the last hurricane and the power's out, right? When there's no light for us as people, it brings fear. Jeremiah is seeing a time in his life where he is living in great fear. You been there? Surely against me, verse 3, he has turned his hand again and again the whole day long. He has made my flesh and my skin waste away. So now we're talking about the body. He's feeling it in his bones. He has broken my bones. He has besieged me and enveloped me with bitterness and tribulation. You ever been in a moment where you're bitter? Where things have just seemed so stacked against you that you begin to turn bitter? Begin to think, man, God, what are the world are you doing? Verse 6, he has made me dwell in darkness. There's darkness again, like the dead of long ago. He has walled me about so, so that I cannot escape. He has made my chains heavy. So he brings us from darkness into this body, into all of a sudden now the amount of pain he's going through feels like a prison. Feels as if he cannot escape, like there is no way out. Boy, Pastor Bo, you were encouraging us this this morning, right? Like, you you get the picture, right? Verse 8, though I call and cry for help, God shuts out my prayer. He has blocked me, my ways, with blocks of stone, and he has made my paths crooked. You ever been in a moment of deep pain where you feel like your prayers just did not get out? Where you feel like you cry out to God and he just does not hear you? Like I know we would all want to say as good Christians, man, God always hears us, right? But what Jeremiah is expressing is the same pain that we all feel. And that is when you are deep distress and you go to God in prayer and nothing changes. You feel as if those prayers are blocked. They're not heard. Verse 10, he is a bear lying in wait for me, a lion in hiding. He has turned aside my steps and tore me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a target for his arrows. He feels as if God is just shooting all the arrows against him. He drove into my kidneys the arrows of his quiver. I have become the laughingstock of all peoples, the object of their taunts all day long. So not only is this internal, but now... His society, his relationships, he feels as if all people that he talks to are against him. All your friendships, the people that you love to chat up with, now are out to get you. That is what he's expressing. 
so bad in verse 16 that he has made my teeth grind on gravel. This is some of the worst imagery. He has made me cower in ashes. He's broken this man's teeth. It feels so painful. My soul is bereft of peace. I have forgotten what happiness is. So I say, my endurance has perished. So has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. I'm going to start there in verse 20. So you encouraged this morning? Is there much hope in the room, right? Like that is not a passage of Scripture, that first part, that we want to sit in very long a lot of times, right? Like if you're going through this in your daily Bible study, it doesn't start your day off on a great path. So why in the world would I go to this when we're talking about hope? You have to remember in moments of hope, in order to redeem the time, we've got to remember that ultimately this world is broken. And there's a reason be, beside that, before that. The reason is that when we remember this, then all of a sudden we remember that we're not alone. You may be going through something today, or you may not. You may feel like your world is falling apart, or you may feel like your world is fine. Guess what? We all are walking through this broken world together, no matter how you feel this morning. We're in this boat together. And we have to remember this in order to redeem the time. Because when we don't remember this, that is when we take our eyes off what God could do. When we think our life is just okay, then all of a sudden we take our eye off the ball of what God has for our day. And if you allow yourself to despair where there is no hope, if you allow yourself to go here without the good news of what we're going to read next, then ultimately you miss out on your day. You don't redeem your day. Instead, you allow the day to overcome you. This imagery is very similar to the imagery in Job. And what I want to remind you today is we see in this passage a real expression from Jeremiah of a lot of accusations against God. And we, would be, we have to take this and pause for a second because we have to realize this is Jeremiah expressing for the city of Jerusalem all the pains they've experienced. You are allowed to feel pain against God. But just like in Job, I want to remind you for a second, that doesn't necessarily mean, although you feel this way, that God is actively seeking to destroy you. There's two ways pain occurs in our life. One is that we actively disobey God. And when we actively disobey God, just like any good parent, there is consequence for that behavior. There will be pain. But the other way we've got to remember is that just like in Job, sometimes God just allows the evil one to work in this world. Because the world right now is broken. And so sometimes the evil one, he comes before God and God says, you know what? Go ahead. I'm going to pull back my hand. I'm going to allow you at this moment, Satan, to think that you've won because I know the victory's already won. So you see, we all encounter one of these two types of pain. So you may be going through something today you didn't do anything to cause. Guess what? That doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose for your pain. It doesn't mean that you can't redeem the time through your pain. I've got a great friend of mine who just yesterday posted an article. His wife's been walking through brain cancer. They're friends of mine. I stood in their wedding. And guess what? They're in some deep pain. They did nothing wrong to deserve that pain. But for whatever reason, God has allowed Satan to work in their life through this tumor. 
And they had a choice to make early on. And what I'm so proud for them is they have chosen this entire journey to redeem the time. They've chosen in the midst of pain to let God be glorified, to allow people to see their pain, but yet also claim how good God is. I give you that example for a brief moment to show you that, yes, you may cause it to yourself, or you may be going through something you didn't have a hand in. Guess what? The question before us is how, in the midst of it, are we going to hope? We have to remember that there ultimately is a broken world around us. There is a guarantee for our lives throughout the Bible that we will have trouble. And I sit there and I start there and I harp on that this morning so that you realize that you are not alone. So maybe if you're going through a good point in your life, you're like, man, I didn't really need this reminder this morning. You're kind of bringing me down a little bit. Man, my life is really going according to plan. But I know, I know in this room, there's someone that needs to hear today. You're not alone. You're not alone. Whatever you're struggling through, whatever you're worried about, whatever you're anxious over, whatever you're not sure about, not certain why God is doing in your life, you're not alone. And even if some of us are sitting in what we call good circumstances, guess what? We're still there with you because we are promised this life is full of trouble. You are not alone. Jeremiah is writing this to remind us as Christians centuries later that there is going to be trouble. But, so I've ramped it up to verse 21. Let's go on in there. But, I call to mind this, and therefore I have hope. The point, uh, let me go ahead and read 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. Hope is found through God's mercy. In the midst of our pain, there is daily reminders that God's mercies are new each morning. You heard that before? You may have heard that before. Guess what? This is the foundation. All of that mess, all of that pain, all that bitterness, accusations against God even, and in the midst of this passage, the centerpiece of this passage, if you're studying the Bible, this is the crux right here. Verse 21. But I have hope. And the hope is that God's mercies are new each and every day. You see, there's a power behind this. He goes on and to say in verse 24, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in them. The Lord is good to those who wait for him. To the soul who seeks him, it is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man that he bear the yoke in his mouth. Let him sit alone in silence when it is laid on him. And let him put his mouth in the dust. There may yet be hope. Let him give his cheek to the one who strikes. And let him be filled with insults. For the Lord will not cast off forever. Though he, calls his, though he calls grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not afflict from his heart or grieve the children of men. There's a couple of things about this daily hope that we've got to see in this passage. 
There is hope every day. There's a power in focusing daily that he, Jeremiah writes about that we've got to realize in this passage. It's, it's kind of like the power of a battery being charged, right? So you, we all now know this because we all wake up with these devices, right? And there's a thing about them. They don't last very long. You might get two days out of it if you're really, really lucky. Maybe you've got a different type of phone than me, but mine, if I'm lucky, will go a whole day without needing to be charged, Right? But at the end of every night, for me, it has to go on the charger. Some of you may not make it to the night, depending on how bad it is, right? The reality is we all have a need for charge in our lives, each and every day. We are not immune from this idea that batteries wear out. And you would think in your lives that it might be sleep that helps that, and obviously it does. It might be hobbies, activities. But the reality for us, the way we're wired as spiritual people, the way God has put it within us, hope is what plugs you up and what charges you. And if you don't remember daily the hope, then ultimately you're going to get worn down. Another way Jeremiah says this in the next part, he talks about the Lord being his portion. The idea that the Lord is his sustenance. So the other example he kind of shows us is the idea of food. And the reality is we all have plenty of food in our lives, but if we don't eat, we can't function. The Lord has to become our portion on a daily basis in order that we might find our lives redeemed throughout the time. So the Lord has to fill our empty souls. He has to be the one that brings meaning. And if you're walking into 2022, if you want a goal for this year, it has to be something to do with the Lord. You have got to hope on a daily basis. C.S. Lewis writes about the portion of the Lord in his book, The Weight of Glory. It's a quote I use often. It's one of my favorite quotes in all of his writings. And it says this, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires, he's talking about sinful desires, not too strong, but too weak. And here's why he says that. Because we are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink, sex, ambition, when an infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go around making mud pies in a slum, because he cannot imagine what it is meant to be but to buy the offer of a holiday, a vacation by the sea. We as people are far too easily pleased. What he's writing about is this idea that we think our satisfaction, our energy, our joy, the things that are daily going to give us life are by all these other things that the Lord is saying. Those things pale in comparison to the hope that you will find if I become your portion. If I become your daily satisfaction, if you will hold on to the promise eternal, then I will give you energy. I will give you strength. I will bring life into your life. This idea that the Lord shows us daily mercy when we're not going through the right things, but also that if he becomes our portion, he satisfies us. That is what Jeremiah ultimately leads into this third part. The third part being that these realities, this daily mercy, makes us aware that life is not living up quite the way God intended. So look at what he says in verse uh, 34. He starts writing, To crush underfoot all the prisoners of the earth, to deny a man justice in the presence of the Most High, to subvert a man in his lawsuit, these things the Lord does not approve. 
Who has spoken, and it came to pass, unless the Lord commanded it? it is, is it not from the mouth of the Most High, the Lord, the good and bad come? Why should a man complain, a man, about the punishment of his sins? Then let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. Let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. We have transgressed and rebelled, and you have not forgiven. We have, you have wrapped yourself with anger and pursued us, killing without pity. You have wrapped yourself with a cloud so no prayer can pass through. You have made us scum and garbage among all the peoples. All of our enemies, they open their mouths against us. Panic and pitfall have come upon us. Devastation and destruction. My eyes flow with rivers of tears because of the destruction of my daughter, of my people. My eyes, they flow without ceasing, without respite, until the Lord from heaven looks down and sees. My eyes cause me grief at the fate of all the daughters of my city. I have been hunted like a bird by those who were my enemies without cause. They have flung me alive into the pit and cast stones on me. Water closed over my head, and I said, I am lost. So he goes back into this whole, again, complaint. But what is the point of that? It's different than the first part. All right, so we've got realization that our world is broken, hope that God provides. But here's what his hope does for you and I. His hope provides us an awakening that ultimately sin has separated us from God and we are called to repent. It awakens us to this reality that sin, the sin in our lives and the sin of our world, has separated us from God and we have been called to repent. Now, typically as we hear that, we might think, well, man, that's some more bad news, right? That's, why did you go from hope, his mercies are new every day, Right into this part. Here is the key. God's mercies being new every day allow you to wake up the next morning and to ultimately see how to fix this problem. And ultimately, God's call throughout the Scripture is to repentance. And that is good news. Because we could be left, by the way, with no hope. So the world's broken and God's not there could be the reality. There is no daily mercies. There is no thing to make us aware of our fallenness. We could have been left in our sin. But instead, God provided daily mercies so that we might see, verse 40, let us test and examine our ways and return to the Lord. So I would argue for you today that if you now want to feel God's hope on a daily basis, the place you got to go starting in the morning is to test and examine your ways. None of us, whether you've never accepted Christ or whether you've been in faith for a long time, are immune to tests. I know we hate tests, right? We're adults. Like, we're done with tests. Like, we, we've been through school. Why in the world are we still supposed to have tests? Well, tests... Actually, if you think about it for a second, there are a lot of great tests that in even adult life. I'll give you one easy example. So I like messing around with electricity, electricity and, elect, and things around my house. And there is one great tool that I learned that actually helps me test live wires. You know what I'm talking about? That tool that you can put up next to a live wire and it lights up if it's hot? That test is invaluable. Why? Because what would happen if I grabbed a live wire? <laughs> I... I, I, I 
touched one before. It's not fun. If I grab it, who knows, right? It's not good. But instead, we as mankind have developed a test, a tool that allows us to test in which see if that wire is live so that many people's lives could be saved as they work on electricity, right? You can think about other examples. This is just a simple one, but the reality is this. Tests are not a bad thing. And teachers, you don't have to give me an amen in the room, all right? Tests are not evil. They're not against us. They are not to hurt us. Jeremiah reminds us that for us to test our ways, whether you need to learn and accept Christ for the first time today, whether you've never tested your ways, or perhaps you're the pastor of the church or a pastor of the church, guess what? None of us are above testing our ways. And as we test our ways, what happens is God's great daily mercies come over us and He shows us exactly what we need when it comes to connecting with Him. You see, I, I wrote the separation from God as this point because I want you to see sin is not like you're bad so God spanks you and, and that's why you have pain. Sin is all about separation. What happens is when sin is in your life, it separates you from God. The reason Jeremiah is writing this about prayer being in a cloud and can't connect and all this is because the people of Israel were very sinful. They had rejected God, and God used all this pain from Babylon to bring them back to himself. That's what the point of it was. The people had rejected God, and God sent him Babylon. Guess what? When you are disconnected from God, you're disconnected from all the goodness that He brings. You're disconnected from the great grace that He provides. You're disconnected even from the mercies that He allows for the good and the bad, the just and the unjust, the Christian and the non-Christian. There are all kinds of things in this world that everyone gets to enjoy because of the great grace of God. And if you don't test yourself, if you don't look to your life, and see where you're separated, then you will lose hope. But if you will test, if you'll examine your ways on a daily basis, and even if you've been in church all your life, when's the last time you've tested your ways? Because if you'll test your ways, the, the Scripture promises us that ultimately, and we're about to get into it, there's salvation to be found. Look at the next verse. So he ends up being drowned. That's where we left him, right? I am lost. Water is over my head. It's pretty, pretty stark imagery if you've ever been in that moment where you didn't know if you were going to make it or not, right? He's drowning. And 55 says this, I called on your name, O Lord, from the depths of the pit, and you heard my plea. You heard my plea. Don't close your ear to my cry for help. You came near when I called you and you said, do not fear. You have taken up my cause, O Lord. You have redeemed my life. You have seen the wrong that was done to me, O Lord. Judge my cause. You see all their vengeance, all their plots against me. You've heard their taunts, O Lord, their plots against me. The lips and the thoughts of my assailants are against me all day long. Behold, they're sitting and they're rising. I am the object of their taunts. You will repay them, O Lord, according to the work of their hands. You will give them dullness of heart. Your curse will be upon them. You will pursue them in anger and destroy them from under your heavens, O Lord. This promise that when we test our ways, 
when we see our separation, the last point is this. God hears our cries. He has heard our cries and brought salvation for us all. The Lord will hear your cry and He will help you redeem your ways. And guess what? The good news of the gospel is this, that when we ultimately never know God and we turn and look toward Jesus, the author and the perfecter of salvation, when we accept Him into our lives, salvation comes for us. You see, the gospel, the good news of Jesus is not just for that first time that you prayed and received Christ. It's a great thing. If you don't know Him, man, we want you to know Him. But if you've done that in here, I want you to see that it wasn't just a one-time process. Now, I'm not saying doing it over and over earns you anything. You're going to heaven. But He models this in our lives so that we can know on a daily basis that if you want to redeem the time, wake up and know the hope of the Lord. Test your ways according to His ways. And know that if you find yourself coming up short, there's salvation. There's a chance to change. There's a a redemption part of this story that doesn't take our willpower, our efforts, our work. It takes God. It takes His power, His might, His work for our lives. And if we hold on to that in the midst of very challenging times, we'll be on the path that God intended. We will redeem every day of our lives. So I wrote this all in paragraph form for you because I wanted you to see what we just walked through. This is the promise eternal. So if you want to have hope, I want you to see the paragraph. Go ahead and put it up, Alan, if you don't mind. This is the promise eternal that we just walked through. You are not alone in your pain. That's that first section. Remember that God's mercies are new every morning. You can overcome sin through repentance by accepting God's salvation. Through the power of Jesus Christ. We'll read that again. You are not alone in your pain. Remember, God's mercies are new every morning. You can overcome sin through repentance by accepting God's salvation through the power of Jesus Christ. You see, ultimately, and and this is not the only place in Scripture you know this, that this exists. I just wanted to walk you through Lamentations 3 this morning and kind of show you how I study the Bible, how I walk through it, what we can see from that. The reality is this. If you want to redeem the time for your life, it starts by holding on to that promise eternal. Holding on to the gospel. And what that means for us today is that some of you may need to believe that for the first time. Perhaps you thought you were good because you grew up in church. You've been around things of Jesus all your life. Maybe you thought if you walked an aisle or prayed a prayer or jumped into some water that all of a sudden, man, your life was redeemed. But you never knew this. You never really knew that the gospel was part of this. That you have to realize that you're broken and you need a Savior. And only He can redeem your life. And so perhaps for some of you today, the the choice is to hold on to it. The choice to have hope is by accepting Him for the first time. And then for some of you, I've known you a long time. You've accepted Christ. You've been here in the church. 
the reality is there's drift for all of us. We can drift away from God if we're not careful, from His promise eternal. And for some of you, maybe it's a simple remembrance of this, a daily remembrance of what the gospel is about. As you wake up in the morning, something like this, and I'm not a genius, you don't have to take this paragraph, make it your own. But something like this on a daily basis has to be at the forefront on your mirror, in your car, before you hit the ground running so that you can experience hope in your day. Perhaps for some of you, just like I talked about my friends earlier, you need to talk more about it. That as you talk to others about the gospel, all of a sudden you believe it more and you feel his mercies every day. For all of us, we just need to live it. We need to allow ourselves the forgiveness of yesterday to test our ways and get better, get closer to God, but then also to allow this gospel and this grace to be made known to all those around us, to your spouse or your your relationship in your life that may be not going according to plan, maybe there's some struggle there, to your brother and sister in Christ, maybe you see things a little differently and you just need to provide some hope, some grace. Perhaps it's to a co-worker that doesn't know Christ. I don't know where it stands, but we all can use a little hope in 2022. The daily reminder that God has saved us. We're not the first people to go through something in this world. And by the way, we're not promised that it will get any better. I hope it does. I hope it does. But it's not a guarantee. It's not promised. What's promised for Christians is that Jesus reigns supreme. That he has made a way. And that one day when this life is over, all this mess is going to be behind us. Because we will be with him forever, eternally. That is the promise of scripture. So I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. I want us to pray together. Noah plays, I just want to allow a moment for each one of you just to process what you've heard today. So I'm going to be silent. I'm not going to talk for a second. I just want you to think about the promise eternal and how it can come daily for you. for us to come to you. So 
I pray that we would be a people that redeems the time, redeems every single day by your plan, by your path, by your purpose, by hoping, holding on to that promise eternal. God, I thank you so much that you have not left us without hope. But instead, you've given hope. From centuries ago to now, you have provided the way. And that's who we worship and sing about today. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to sing together a song, but before we do that, let me just say this. If you need to know Jesus for the first time, if, if in this message you've sensed that, don't scoot out of here quick. I know the temptation is to get to lunch. I get that. Pastor Michael's here this morning. I'll be around. Audra's at the bathroom at the desk. Please come find one of us and let us help you walk into faith for the first time. We would love to do that with you. For the rest of us and for all of us in the room, one thing we would like to do today is allow you some continued time on reflection on what we've heard about through Scripture, but also for us to worship the God, the Savior, Jesus Christ, who we just talked about that great hope. There's no better way for us to cement that into our hearts, to feel His presence today, than by us worshiping together.